0: Chapter Seven of Curly Carson Listens In by Roy J. Snell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Penn. Chapter Seven. Curly receives a shock, having boarded an interurban car. Curly slept his way into the city. Once there, he hurried over to the secret tower room, where the news of his night's adventure was received with great joy. "'So you got him!' exclaimed Cole's masters. "'Smashed him up, right? Bully for you. That's great!' He slapped Curly on the back. Dropping into his chair, Curly dictated a message by secret wire to headquarters in New York. The message stated in modest, concise terms that the nuisance on 600 in the secret tower region was at an end, that the station had been effectively broken up and that the offender would no doubt soon be in the hands of the law. A half hour later, he received a highly commendatory message, congratulating him on his achievement and bidding him keep up the good work. After glancing over Cole's reports for the evening and making mental notes from them, Curly prepared to seek his bed and indulge in a good long sleep, the first in several days. There isn't a bit of hurry in going after that rich young fellow or girl, if it is a girl, he said to Coles. That'll keep. We've got plenty of proof. He jerked a thumb toward the corner, where it was a box into which he had tossed the various small parts of the sending set and the number plate of the car. All we need to do now is to saunter out there some fine morning and have a heart-to-heart talk with Jay Anson himself. Had Curly but known it, there was to be a great deal more than that to it. There was to be an adventure in it for him such as he had never before experienced, an adventure which was destined to take him thousands of miles from the secret tower room, and which was to throw him into such dangers as would cause the bravest to shrink back in terror. Since he was blissfully ignorant of all this, He was also blissfully happy in the consciousness of having achieved success in the thing he had undertaken. This, he laughed as he said it, is going to bring me face-to-face with one of America's greatest millionaires. It's like going before a king in some ways. In others, I fancy it's more like meeting a lion in the street. Anyway, I've always wanted to meet a king, a lion, and a millionaire, and here's where I meet one of them ever meet one he turned to coles meet which coles smiled king lion or millionaire millionaire no can't say i have though i doubt if we would either of us recognize one if we should meet one on the street someone has said that humanity is everywhere much the same and i fancy that's true even of very rich folks they may try to bluff you with their power "'But if they find they can't do that, "'I guess they'll turn out to have the same dreams, "'the same hopes and fears, "'the same joys and sorrows as the rest of us.' "'Do you think so?' said Curly thoughtfully. "'I hope that's true. "'It would be a good thing for the world if it were true, "'and if all the people in the world knew it. "'Well, good-night,' he drew on his cap. "'See you in about sixteen hours.' "'Guess it'll take me that long to catch up my sleep. "'After that, I'm going after that fellow who's breaking in on 1,200, "'that fellow over at the hotel with the whispering friend or enemy, "'whichever she may turn out to be. "'Had he but known it, it was to be many days "'before he was to go after that offender on the 1,200-meter wavelengths, "'and then it was to be in ways of which he had not yet dreamed.' and so he slept. When he awoke, after fourteen hours of refreshing sleep, it was to hear the newsies crying their evening papers. For some time he lay there listening to their shrill shouts and attempting to catch what they were saying. "Extra all about! He could get that far, probably because he had heard it so often before, but no further could he go. The remainder was a jumble of meaningless sounds. Suddenly, as he listened, a shrill urchin shouted the words out directly beneath his very window. Whoa, extry, all about the murdered millionaire's son. Hear, hear, exclaimed Curly, thrusting his head out of the window. What millionaire's son? Give me one of those papers. He tossed the boy a nickel and received a tightly wrapped paper, sent through the window as if shot from a catapult, It landed with a bump on the floor. His hand trembled so he could scarcely unroll the paper. His head whirled. "'Murdered,' he said to himself. "'Millionaire's son murdered? Can it be Vincent Ardmore? Did a bullet from my automatic glancing from the wheel inflict a mortal wound?' He saw himself behind prison bars in murderer's row." Cold perspiration stood out on his brow as he read in staring headlines, J. Anson Ardmore's son believed murdered. Believed? He caught at that single word as a camel in a desert snaps at a straw. So they were not sure. Hastily he read the column through, then dropped limply into a chair. Oh, what a shock, he breathed. He was vastly relieved. The article stated that the car belonging to the millionaire's son had been found by a laborer employed on the estate as he came to his work very early in the morning. The car, which was badly smashed up, bore the mark of a bullet in the rear tire and one in the lower part of the body. It was believed that the young man, being pursued by bandits and having attempted to escape, had had his car riddled by bullets and had been thrown into the ditch. There are grave reasons for supposing, the article went on to state, since no trace of the young man has yet been found, that he has been either kidnapped for ransom or, having been killed by a stray bullet, has been buried somewhere in the forest preserve. Bands of armed men are searching the woods, and every available police officer and detective has been put on the case." A reward of five thousand dollars has been offered by the father for any information which may lead to the discovery of the whereabouts of his son. Ooh! exclaimed Curly, mopping his brow. What a rumpus! Suddenly he sat up straight. Doesn't say one word about that wireless apparatus in the car. How about that? He sat with wrinkled brow for a moment. Ah! He slapped his knee i have it the laborer of course came directly to his master the shrewd old millionaire guessing that his son had been breaking radio laws had all of that equipment removed before the public was let in on the deal he bribed the laborer to secrecy on that point and there you are again his brow wrinkled five thousand dollars he whispered that's a lot of money I could supply some valuable information which might entitle me to the 5,000. Question is, do I want to risk it? The thing that's happened is about this, far as I can figure it out. Our young amateur radio friend, when his auto-turned-turtle, hiked off into the woods. For a time he stayed there. Then, when nothing happened for some time, he came sneaking back. When he found I had taken his number plate and some parts of his radio equipment, he guessed right away that I was connected with the radio secret service. He's hiding right now, unless I miss my guess, with some of his rich young friends. I might tell all that, and I might get the reward, but supposing something really had happened. Oh, boy, what a mess! And yet, he mused after a moment, I've done nothing to be ashamed of. I'm an officer of the law. I did what I did because a fellow was resisting arrest. Oh, well, I'll just let things stand and simmer. Something may come to the top yet. End of chapter 7